Asset Arrest, your global agent for accessing the property you can't afford. Hello. Okay, I am in the Excel Centre. Um, I'm on my way to something called the Property Investor Show. Just to give you a bit of info on that, the website says the Property Investor Show is the UK's leading event for anyone serious about making money from property. Whether you're a hands-on landlord or a more passive investor, it's the ideal place for networking, obtaining reliable and up-to-date property market information and property to buy. We have close to 100 exhibitors, blah, 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 70 plus property investment related seminars, brings you face to face with over 5,000 serious property buyers. You can compare the products and services from close to 100 leading providers of property and related services. And a broad selection of UK and international property features, finance and other services. Two full days of seminars. I'm here on the second day, the Saturday. Okay, I'm going to find this investor show. Also, this is the last of my freeze week specials. Uh, the final piece of the puzzle, as the developers like to say. Okay, I'm in. I've got some kind of brochure. Fairly busy, but not as busy as the uh, wedding show. Just going to do a quick circuit of the whole place, suss it out before I get involved in talking to anyone. As one might expect, there's a lot of men, men in suits. I am really wishing I could have an asset or a stall here, but I'm imagining the price is high. Oh, Avantis Wealth and 79 for luxury living. Progressive property. Hmm. Please, it's a real labyrinth of corporate promotional material. There's free sweets. Okay, uh, we're at a talk called Why Lagos Needs New Towns. Contrast that, Lagos in 1960 had under 1 million people and today has more than 20 million, 2,000% population growth. So what is Mixter doing about this? I'm just going to play, um, well I'll talk through some of the things that we're thinking about actually. The first one is that we consider ourselves a market maker, and this is an innovative approach to urban development. So Mixter has a strategy of selling land to larger developers. And one of the reasons that we think this is a good strategy for companies like us that have a large land bank is because we are used to delivering world-class infrastructure with drainage, we can essentially set the standard in the market. And we do this because we have sites and services. So we're not no longer really selling unserviced urban land. We're selling land to other developers having delivered globally acceptable, insofar as best practice is, infrastructure. The second part of it is consumer finance. So about two years ago, we introduced something called Mixta Flex. Um, it was revolutionary in the market that we were in. And Mixta Flex was essentially a finance product that allowed uh, homeowners to pay the equity portion of their mortgages in installments. And we launched this product and within a very short space of time, we sold out, pre-sold out over 500 homes. So when people tell you that Africa has a housing deficit, I don't even think it's a supply challenge. I think it's actually a demand challenge. And it's a demand challenge because people cannot afford most of the homes are building. And when they can in, uh, afford it in principle, there's no form of acquisition finance for that particular. 
uh, product. New market features, again, things that we take for granted here, the golf course. We developed our land bank about 35 kilometers away from the main uh, mega hub, which is Lagos Island, Victoria Island, Nikoi. And one of the things we said is, what would make a rational consumer, middle class, HNI, whoever, find a home 35 kilometers away from the main urban center? And we figured out an 18-hole championship golf course. And for those of us who live on the continent, we understand the bragging rights that you would have as a middle-income consumer in Lagos to say you have a home on a Gulf estate. Now, other African countries like Kenya and South Africa, probably a bit more further ahead. But again, this is the way we're thinking. Now, the Gulf estate itself is a loss leader for us. It doesn't make us any money. But as we say, we're a real estate company, not a Gulf company. Gulf allows us to sell real estate. Land valuation strategy, and I think this is an important one for those of you who are in, in um, in finance or, or, or real estate, it's really around ensuring that the value of our land reflects current market rates. Market integration, we're looking at opportunities to work with property technology companies, uh, we're looking at opportunities to integrate into other parts of the value chain, whether that's a construction value chain, uh, procurement of goods, and then of course market-led product development. I think it goes without saying that if you're a marketing professional, you're designing products based on consumer preferences. So I'm just gonna play a short five minute video before I continue with the rest of the presentation. Mixta Africa is one of Africa's leading real estate and infrastructure developers. We're in the business of building communities and transforming African cities through our real estate and affordable housing projects. What is it that is the bedrock really of our communities? Um, it's the infrastructure. It's the civil infrastructure, it's the roads, it's the power, it's the sewage, it's the waste, and it's also the water. If you think about our slogan of building communities, it is really about creating a lifestyle uh, that people can relate to. And how we do that is we develop cities that have a full spectrum of infrastructure, amenities, that allow you to leave work and play in the city that you live in. Lagos New Town is a new community that we're building uh, along the Lekki Expressway. Upon completion, it's meant to have a population of over 200,000 people. It's a development which we started about 10 years ago. In that period, we've made a lot of investments, we built new communities, but it's still a work in progress. So if you ask the question, why do we believe Lagos needs a new town, so to speak? Um, I think not many people realize uh, the extent of the challenge that we have in the city of Lagos. Uh, if you look at the last 60 years or so, uh, the population of the city has grown by over 2,000%. By comparison, you can look at the city of London with a population of about 8 million people in 1960. And you'd be shocked to note that today, the city of London still has a population under 10 million people. Uh, compare that to Lagos in 1960, less than 1 million people. And today we have 20 million people living uh, in the city. Uh, and it's clear that the government hasn't been able to spend enough money to provide the infrastructure for that population growth. Uh, I think for us, we, we've taken all of this on board. We think that uh, new communities are required. 
uh, at the center of that is the need to provide infrastructure to make such communities function the way existing places, uh, communities do not. Uh, and for Mixer, that's really the motivation to create that new environment uh, that people find attractive, that's able to provide accommodation and business activities for the various income groups that we have in the country. Uh, so we see this as an exciting opportunity for us. Mr. Africa has built several communities within the Lagos New Town development. There is our signature affordable housing project, Beetroot Park, which is a community of more than 500 bungalows and affordable homes, which we sold out on and we're very proud of. We just recently launched phase two of that project. And of course, if you are standing on Lagos Newtown and facing the Lekki Expressway, so the top right is our Diva community. This is a community of over 200 homes surrounded by greenery, parks, open spaces, convenient for families, convenient for professionals. It is also linked together with other communities such as our Lakaway Lakes Golf and Country Estate via a road network that is second to none and strategically located between the Lagos Island as well as the Agbeir and Lake Free Trade Zone Axis. We have our Newtown Commercial Plots, which we're looking to develop into an industrial hub in the future. So we have large plots available commercial and industrial use, mostly light industries. Um, they're going to be involved fully service infrastructure with electricity and utilities and a concrete road network, which we're investing a huge amount of money in developing over the next few years. The development of large communities is not new to Mixed as we have done this across several countries, including Tunisia, Senegal, Mauritania, Algeria, and Morocco. The favorite of ours is the Residence Isafia in Morocco. Isafia is a high-density, low-rise urban development in the heart of Matil, which sits on over 130,000 square meters of land. It is an affordable residential community comprising of more than 4,000 homes, commercial and recreational areas, and is home to over 17,000 residents. We are bringing a similar model to the Lagos New Town development. This is really what it's about, this infrastructure. It's our ability to be able to give um, people um, standard and reliable infrastructure that they can use to access the communities that we develop for them. Uh, we've made investment in construction, we've made investment in content, uh, we've made investments uh, in amenities there and that place. We have invested in the golf course as we do, and we've built homes uh, for a variety of income groups in that place. Um, we continue to make that investment because it's a large parcel of land. What we want to achieve is that we'll give housing to about uh, 200,000 people. Okay. I believe it was William Shakespeare. Moving on. Uh, Lagos Newtown looks like Barking Riverside. People and our consumers are part of the projects that we uh, not yet. <laughs> not yet? Oh, that's what we like. What do you do? But I don't, I, 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 I don't work for Pim. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a fan. Just, uh, I describe yeah. myself as a fan, not an employee. We have a property investors network communities. Okay. So we have like 53 Pim meetings throughout the whole of the UK. We are like the ears, the eyes and the nose. Uh, okay, that was, I don't know, I've just signed up to be in some kind of property investors network. Uh, oh God, these people scare me. I don't understand what any of these businesses really do.
gun. What does that mean? Now, scatter gun is people that just buy property all over the UK. Now, some people will just go to an auction. And if you go to a London auction, you might see something in the northeast for £30,000. Can't even claim the parking space that's a bargain. And then they'll think South Wales, another bargain. North Wales, it can't be far away. Surely North Wales, South Wales. Has anyone tried that journey, by the way? North Wales to South Wales. You just about get out without a long grey beard. And, and that's just the women. No, no, joke. <laughs> so don't go scattergun, guys, because you want to focus on a close maybe just a couple of miles away to have your gold mine area because you've got the economies of scale, you can use one letting agent, one set of builders and trades, etc, etc. Show me how this is making sense so far. Good. And then off plan. A lot of people, have, again I'm aware that there's the odd stand here at this <laughs> Now off plan, my opinion is that off plan, if you're buying a property that has not been built yet, I think that you're gambling because do builders go bust? Show me how the builders go bust. What about in the back? People stood up in the back. Show me how the builders go bust. Yeah, absolutely, they go bust. Do average house prices go down sometimes? Yeah, so if the property's not been built yet and it's not going to be built for a couple of years, as far as I'm concerned, you are gambling. Okay, so we don't have to gamble, do we? We can buy at existing properties and know exactly where we stand from day one. So the it's not worth the risk as far as I'm concerned. Now, new build properties. Some newbie property investors will just go and find something brand new and buy it at the asking price and think that they've just you know, made a sensible decision. But I believe, or I know, that new build properties, you have to pay a premium for new build properties. And the sweet spot for me as a property investor is actually properties that are at least 10 years old to buy. Why is that? Because you can add significant value to those properties by replacing the bathroom, replacing the kitchen, new carpets, etc, etc. You can add significant value to that. Whereas if you're buying a new build, there's nothing you can do and you have to pay a premium for it. And as soon as it is not new anymore, it drops in value. So a sophisticated property investor doesn't buy new build property. So that's what not to buy as a property investor. Now, as well as the book, Multiple Streams of Property Income, Progressive Property, I mentioned that is the UK's largest property training company. We also run a training course on property called Multiple Streams of Property Income. Now, it's either in Peterborough, but we've just announced a London date. So show me your hand, you Londoners. Okay, cool. So you'll be perfectly safe if you do come up to Peterborough. Don't worry. But if you don't want to venture outside of London because you get nosebleeds and stuff like that, you know who you are, you can, you can go to a London event as well. So it's called Vendor Finance. Finance is your purchase of their Show me a hand if you want to know how you can get houses for free, guys. Come on. Yeah, so the seller of a property finances your purchase of their property. Now, if you want to learn more about that, then you should. Absolutely. We've done lots of vendor finance deals. Now, lease options, that's, a no, that's another strategy where you can literally acquire property for as little as a pound. So the Millennium Dome was bought for a pound on a lease option. 
And you can do that with normal houses and apartments as well. So you control the property and the purchase price agreed, but you don't have to exercise your right to buy that property till years in the future when the property has gone up significantly in value. Okay, so we're going to be talking about lease options on the training as well. Joint ventures, so how to raise joint venture finance, how to create win-win situations, giving people the better rate of return than they are getting in the bank to build your property portfolio. So we'll teach you how to do that and how to find joint venture partners as well. Also, thank you very much. Hi. 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 H
how the resolve and how landlords came together and how landlords worked and spoke with their tenants to manage through a crisis of COVID was actually quite incredible. But remember, good landlord stories doesn't sell, does it? Rogue landlord stories does sell. But let's be very, very clear. There's far more rogue bad tenants than there are landlords, okay? So we're gonna give you a, a whistle-stop uh, tour of being a fresh landlord. We literally got 20 minutes each, so I'm gonna talk very fast, maybe a bit in a Cockney accent, so I feel a bit at home here in London. Okay, I was in Manchester and I've got a bit cockney and they have to get a translator, but I'm going to whisk through it, but I want you to get as much information as possible. Okay, I'm going to ask one more question. Actually, this is the collector's item. Who's a professional landlord? Put your hand up again. There you go. Have a stress ball, because we need stress balls as landlords. Okay, I've been helping landlords for 30 years. I'm a landlord myself. I started down action 20 years ago. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of Hamilton Fraser. We act for half a million landlords, 20,000 letting agents, all those browns at the bottom. Anyone heard of my deposits, the deposit scheme? Yes, okay, they're our company. We protect 1.2 million, 1.2 million pounds worth of deposits, okay? So we run loads of schemes. Landlord Action was my business. On Thursday, we had 22 new instructions in one day. Okay, it's going to get busier. Obviously, there was a court ban and there was a suspension. I do a lot of regulation, uh, a lot of advisory work with the government. Ben does as well, more so than me. He'll talk about that. But I campaign for landlords, have been doing that for a number of years. Because landlords are good people. Albeit they might be naive. Okay, yes, there's roads, very small roads. But the vast majority of landlords out there are great people and they care about their tenants. Let's be very clear about that. Okay, just really, I'm going to talk about the impact of COVID, the understanding of landlords' responsibilities, better manage your portfolio and use the resources. I am going to whiz through these slides. Now, you've all got slips, correct, on your, on your seats. Fill your slips up, okay? Give them back to uh, Christian. Where's Christian? Where's Christian when they need it? Christian, that's the impact of what COVID happened to landlords and the knock-on effect, yeah, of what happened. There was 47 changes under the COVID 2020 Act in England, Scotland and Wales. There's 168 rules and regulation in renting out your property. Do you know what they are, sir? I don't know what they are either, but it's hard to keep up to speed. And what I would turn around and say to you, and I'm not just saying it because Ben's here and he represents the NRLA, Landlording could be a lonely business, okay? And I will turn around and say to you, join the NRLA for £75. There's a special offer today, you get £10 off. For that, you get a free advice line, you get all the updated information of what's happening, you get templates. Because unfortunately, how many of you work full-time? Put your hands up, we're here on a Saturday. The majority of you work full-time. Keeping to breast as to what's happening is a real, real issue because landlords can't keep up to speed of what's happening, yeah? So, what's actually the, the impact, the timeline? Look what happened. We went into lockdown in March 2020, yeah? We were lucky as an industry, our housing market opened up in May, which was brilliant because we underpinned the economy. I was getting calls, five to 10 calls a day from landlords and tenants fearing about rent and not what happening. Unfortunately, the government, for their wise wisdom, said, you know what, give your tenants a rent holiday. It wasn't a rent holiday, it was a rent deferment, okay? But I was hearing some amazing stories. We even set up on Landlord Zone, a section of Landlord Hearers. We were having landlords that were giving rent-free periods, having landlords that were giving 
free tenancies to key workers and doing shopping. You know, there was a lot of vulnerability. Landlords were doing a lot of great work. And then, of course, there was the notice periods that went up to six months, from, uh, from two months and from 14 days. And, of course, the backlog in the courts. So it was forever changing. But when you are renting out your property, okay, you might use an online system like Open Rent, okay, uh, you might use a letting agent. Now more than ever, okay, you have to put a price on your time, okay? You have to give that professional service. Do it, put your hand up if you want to take a call at five o'clock in the morning from your tenant that they're drunk and they've lost their keys. Put your hand up. Oh, a bit surprising that, no one wants to do that. Well, that's the reality of being a landlord. It's a 24-hour business. And actually the difference between self-management and full management, is, it, it, let only in full management, is not a lot. And you need to actually question, actually, what should I be fully managing? Can I afford to fully manage? Where is the property? But there's a whole load of compliance stuff that you need to do. The gas safety certificate, you know, meeting the fire regulations. Is my property licensing? Who likes licensing here? Put your hands up. Again, what a surprise. No one's put their hand up, Ben. Okay? Licensing. 32 different boroughs. It changes all the time. The problem that we have in our industry, there's a lack of enforcement. Now, some of you might recognise me from the TV program, Nightmare Tenants, Slum Landlords. Put your hand up if you've seen them, my programme. Oh, there's a few hands that have gone up. At least someone's watching the programme. But we follow Harrow Council, and I followed them for a day. And the lack of enforcement, okay, is actually quite incredible, right? Uh, but they try their best. They try their best, but they're very, very restricted. But landlords can be fined thousands and thousands of pounds, and if you don't get any of this stuff right, you could be fine. Tenants are much more clued up now with regard to their rights. The journey that the, 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 the consumer has changed. You know, do the appliances work? What's, what, what happens with regard to furnished and unfurnished, okay? Having good communication with ten tenants is really, really important, okay? Sitting down with your tenant, understanding what the tenancy agreement is, okay? Is really, really important. And what, they're, what, they're, what they can and can't do. The government are encouraging landlords to take tenants with pets on. I think that's a good idea. Because actually, tenants with pets, depending on the property, will stay in the property longer. Yeah? The average term of a tenancy prior to COVID was four years and three months. Did anyone know that? You know? The demand, I speak to letting agents all the time, the demand for renting is sky high. Anyone know what the average rent in London is? I found this out yesterday from Rightmove. Someone for a number to me. In London, what is it? Anyone? Two grand a month. You were, you were paying attention yesterday, weren't you? £2,000 a month is the average rent in, in London. It's a lot of money. But demand is really strong. Yeah? We've got 4.3 million uh, rented properties. The problem we're having now, there is lots of landlords coming into the market. There's lots of landlords leaving the market. We haven't even talked about the abolishment of Section 21. The biggest change that's happening in the renters' reform, I'm going to leave that to Ben or not steal his thunder. Statutory obligations. This is what happened in 2020, 2021. It's changed, yeah? It's absolutely changed. It's really important to keep up to speed with what's happening. And getting fined, you know? Right to rent came in, okay? Understanding the consequences, understanding what you have to do in renting your property. It's massively, massively changed in the last 10 to 15 years. But this is a business. You as business people have to look at a three, five year, ten, uh, five to three, uh, a three to five year plan. You need to look at an exit strategy. 
you know, how is your portfolio performing? You know, it's really, really important. I've got a mate of mine who's the third biggest landlord in Brighton. He's got 950 tenants, big landlord. He's had one tenant in his property for 14 years. Yes, we put the rent up for six years. He goes, Paul, let me tell you this as a landlord, and he's a seasoned pro landlord, yeah? Okay, no news is good news. As long as my rent's being paid and I'm not hearing anything, I'm happy. She does the property up herself, yeah? She does her property up herself and I don't hear anything. I'm delighted. And that's actually the reality of what you actually want, you know? And of course, having business resources and where you're at. Do you embrace technology? Does anyone have any property technology they use in running their portfolio? Put your hand up. Look, look round everyone. Two people out of the whole crowd of 100 people that are landlords only use property technology. You have to use it. You have to know when your gas safety certificate buttons out or when you need to do your inventory, your inspection. You're gonna forget all this, you know? How you do your referencing and your EPC. Property technology, there's a really good platform over there called Lendlord that tells you about your portfolio. Embrace property technology. You go on to, um, if you go on to the website of uh, the NRLA, they've got some suppliers on there that do that. Embrace it, okay? Making sure that your documents, your paperwork's up to it. Do you have a good network of, of contractors? Contractors, builders, uh, uh, decorators, plumbers, they're busier than ever. Can you get someone reliable? And what happens if you ignore a request from your tenant to carry out works on the property? What are they gonna do? They're not gonna pay you the rent and then it opens up. You need to keep a chain of what's been going on. And of course, access, getting access to your property really is an issue. Okay, and I think that's, uh, that's it. But getting personal training and development, going on the NRLA courses, going on our website, Landlord Zone. Landlord Zone, if you fill the slips in, we put you on our database, you get free updates. We give you breaking news of what's happening in the industry. You need to know what is going on, okay? It's really, really important, okay? And then you look at getting your finance in order and getting that, the updates and the legislation, okay? And then of course, choosing a letting agent. Choosing a letting agent is pretty difficult business because there's 10 agents. Which one do you use in the high street? Do you use the one that offers 5% five, 5 full management? You know, we own Client Money Protect. You need to make sure they've got Client Money Protection in place because if they go bust, you're not gonna get your rent if they're not covered. It's a legal requirement. They can be fined up to 500,000 pounds. We own the Property Redress Scheme. We've got 16,000 members. 25% of complaints about letting agents relates to poor communication, poor management services. But a great letting agent is worth their weight in gold. Okay? I've got a website called paulchamplina.tv and I debate with two landlords and a letting agent called self-management or not to self-management. And we actually debate what should you do and how should you do it. So if you write that, that website down, paulchamplina.tv, you'll see uh, an online course that I've done. But actually a letting agent you know, go on a website called allagents.co.uk, get reviews on them, get two testimonials, watch their management terms, what do you get for full management service, what's the difference between let only and full management, it's really important to find out and get an understanding as to what they're charging, you know, cheap is always expensive when it comes to any supplier, you know, your letting agent is your key. 
And if the letting agents got anything about them and they understand landlords, they understand where you are on your journey of being a landlord. So are you someone that's inherited a property, you've got no intention of renting out another property? 90% of landlords out there only have one or two properties. Are they biotelic experts? Do they know the local area? Do they understand the laws and HMOs? You know, property management is the hardest thing to do related to renting property. You can go around all these stalls and buy a property with no money down, right, or five properties in, in a space of two weeks and all that stuff, but it's no good if you can't rent it out and don't understand the tenants and don't have the right customer. And how many of you out there know about uh, an industry within the private rent industry called Build to Rent? Anyone heard of Build to Rent? Put your hand up. Good, okay, four or five people in a room of a hundred people. Build to Rent is your biggest competitor in the next five years. Did you know that? If you've got properties in London, in city centres, Build to Rent are your biggest competitors. Because the tenant, the consumer, more so the millennial, would rather rent a property in a nice shiny building with 24 hour security, with dead dog walking, with yoga, I bet you like a bit of yoga as well, don't you? Right? She likes a bit of yoga. Tenors like yoga. We work space. They will pay an extra 150, 200 pound a month from renting from a small landlord. So you have to up your game. How does your property stand out? You know? And do you go on white moves? Do you go on super? Do you look at your competition and find out what it is? I'd rather be able to pick my tenant rather than my tenant picking me. I'd rather put the rent cheaper and have eight applicants rather than two applicants because I start off for 50 quid a month or 50 quid a week more. Yeah? Choose your tenant. It's really important. And look, this is the rent responsibilities. You've got to do all of that. And that's the basic stuff. Compliance, compliance, compliance. You now landlords, with the help of the NRLA or other organisations or tools like Landlord Zone, you're compliance officers. Or that's what you pay a letting agent to do, to protect you, to look after your property, to make sure that you haven't fall foul of the laws. And on notice periods, from the 1st of October, we now have notice periods. How many of you have ever had to evict a tenant? Put your hand up. A few of you. It's stressful. It can take time. Serving a notice now, so it's two months notice, section 21, which is going to be abolished in the next 18 months to two years. Ben will talk about that more. That will have an impact. That will see landlords exiting the marketplace, but we need major investment in the court system. We need to make sure that we have mediation and bailiff reform, you know. But uh, how does that affect evicting a tenant under social anti-behaviour, uh, anti yeah? And section eight notice the 14 days, which is breach tenant. At Landlord Action, I've got 17 staff, we do the best part of 1,200 to 1,500 cases a year. My prediction is in 2022, there'll be 150,000 possession claims issued. It will rise. Furloughing stopped in, in September. Universal credit, don't get me started universal credit, yeah? Because direct payments should be going to landlords. And then what's happened, you know? What happened with the courts? There was a whole load of changes. They put review hearings in. Another way of slowing down the process. They couldn't afford for a massive avalanche of evictions happening during the crisis when there was no vaccine in place. But we still have a massive social housing crisis. Thus, that's why we get the impact and we get the pressure on the private rental sector. Because really, part of the private rental sector is not fit to be able to house many social tenants. Okay? And of course, 
with the bailiff and evictions. A bailiff gets on average £21,000 a year. I've done, with my TV programme, I've met bailiffs and they could do 15 evictions in one day. They won't be able to collect any money. You know, they can't recruit bailiffs. They're having a problem recruiting judges. There was a problem with the court system prior to COVID. There is a backlog. Mediate, mediate, mediate with your tenant. Do a deal with your tenant. Try and avoid court as a last resort. Because remember, a good tenant doesn't turn into a bad tenant overnight. Remember that. Okay? Everyone falls at a hard time. But you will get tenants, like professional bad tenants, or Airbnb scammers, or rent to rent, or dodgy letting agents, that will prey on von... Have we got any naive, vulnerable landlords in the room, please? Put your hands up. Love it. So this, this talk is working. I'm making you, part of my talk and part of what Ben's talking is to make you landlords streetwise. Make you understand that if you've got a previous landlord's reference pushed over to you, you check it out. You find out that Joe Bloggs, the previous landlord, is not lying. And actually the tenant's a bad tenant, but he wants to pass it on to you. You know, it's credit risk. We're giving a six to 12 month tenant. You know, you get one bad tenant, it can affect your life badly. I've got horrendous cases at Landlord. People said, I've got the nightmare tenant for me. I said, no, we have. I've got one case at the moment, £144,000 rent arrears. We've had suicides, we've had murders. I don't want to put you off one way, right? But we've had, you know, drug dealing, cannabis, uh, Airbnb, multi-million pound scams. We've had it all at Landlord Action over 20 years. So bailiffs and evictions, we say try and use a high court sheriff when you can, and there needs to be bailiff reform. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Very much the landlord's friend, if ever I, uh, if ever I saw one. Uh, we've had drugs, we've had antisocial behaviour, we've had all sorts, haven't we? Um, uh, just a day in the life of what happens uh, at the NRLA and uh, Hamilton Fraser. Uh, part of being a professional landlord, folks, is knowing what's coming down the track. And uh, Paul's done a really good job about uh, highlighting in 20 minutes some things that you need to be aware of. But what I'm going to talk about in the next 20 minutes is some things that are coming down the track. Because as investors, and I am a landlord, I've, uh, I'm a student landlord in West London, have been uh, for the best part of 15 years, and it's my great privilege to be running the uh, NRLA and being the voice for landlords. But there are things uh, that make it very difficult uh, for, uh, for being a landlord, and I very much feel your pain. Um, I wanted just to uh, introduce ourselves. Uh, for those of you that don't know, we were uh, born out of the merger of two legacy organisations, and we now have over 93,000 landlords within membership. Um, I hope there's a few members in the room today. If there aren't, uh, my colleagues will do you a deal on, on, on joining today. Um, it's, uh, I'm not one for weighing in the wind when it comes uh, to government policy, which is why I'm going to talk about a replacement to Section 21 rather than fighting against it going. We have uh, managed to get notice periods back to uh, a sensible level. We have a massive problem in our court system uh, that means that some landlords are, are suffering uh, at the hands of rogue tenants. Uh, we're working really, really hard uh, behind the scenes to improve uh, uh, the court system. Uh, things like getting rid of the review hearing, which are deliberately designed uh, to slow down the pace of change. Um, how COVID legislation has affected possession? Well, uh, you've seen it. Eviction bans, longer notice periods, uh, a, a significant slowing down of how many uh, cases are handled by the courts. Now we hope that this is going to get better, certainly the signs are that um, it's moving in the right direction, 
but I do worry that things like longer notice periods may well be a feature of the Renters' Reform Bill uh, in a couple of years' time. The one thing that we are stuck with, though, is a rent debt crisis. And uh, government can put their head in the sand as much as they wish, but their own figures show that um, tenants have three times more debt this side of COVID than they did previously to COVID. They also show that homeowner uh, arrears and social rent arrears have reverted back to pre-pandemic levels. So we have a massive problem in the private rented sector and the government can well point to a £352 million package around furlough, universal credit and so forth. But the reality is it isn't enough. It means that landlords are carrying significant arrears. It means that landlords are carrying more arrears because of the ineffective court uh, processes that are in place. And we haven't given up on uh, greater financial support for the sector. Landlords will be between a rock and a hard place. Uh, it's like choosing your method of torture. Do you want to evict your uh, tenant or do you want to carry tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds of debt? Well, I know what the answer to that is, neither. Uh, and this is very much within the government's gift to be able to solve. So as landlords that are finding tenants and maybe looking for new tenants at the moment, your due diligence in light of this is really, really important. White hot referencing, decent credit checks, making inquiries with the previous landlord and employers to satisfy yourself that the tenant you're going to be putting into your property is not going to be a duff and that they are fit for, uh, to meet the obligations. Because the problem is, if you do stumble across a bad one, um, the current operating environment is really, really difficult and really, really challenging. So please, if you take anything away from today, it's about doing your due diligence and doing more of it. And if you are not content, you can't get a guarantor, then you're better off with an empty property than you are with a tenant um, uh, who's not paying. I want to talk briefly uh, about the operating environment beyond COVID and what we all have to, to look uh, forward to. We're certainly seeing a, uh, a more positive outlook in the private rented sector. But uh, I'm not going to explain all these pretty bars to you, but basically um, uh, central London is still taking some time uh, to pick up as people change their moving habits. Uh, having moved back out to, to greener uh, areas uh, during lockdown, they're not moving in quite as quickly as was thought. What else? Well, costs are rising. Uh, so in our survey of members, landlords are really worried about the increased operating costs of running a property. Um, if you're anything like me, um, you'll be really worried about tax changes uh, and not looking forward to your ne next tax return. Um, um, and also, we must accept that COVID has given landlords a real knock. Landlords have done a bloody amazing job during COVID, as Paul said, to write down rents, to change terms, to accommodate their tenants, and they've done that against the backdrop of no financial support whatsoever. Uh, so I'll forgive you if you're feeling slightly knocked by the, uh, by the last 18 months, and certainly that comes, about, uh, that comes through uh, loudly and clearly in our uh, perception auditing of members. What we're also seeing is a similar amount of landlords looking to invest who are looking to exit. So we're seeing consolidation in the market as well. And this isn't um, to give you a negative outlook, this is to give you a realistic outlook as property investors uh, around knowing what's coming down the track. What else is coming down the track? Well, Paul alluded to it. Um, we have the debate, uh, or the commitment rather, uh, to uh, abolishing Section 21. Now, I'm still yet to meet a landlord that evicts a good tenant. 
Um, so I personally don't feel threatened by the abolition of Section 21. What I know, though, is that whatever replaces it must have more uh, grounds and must have more mandatory grounds to be able to cover the scenarios that Section 21 masks. So things like antisocial behaviour, things like uh, significant rent arrears, things like um, taking possession of your property to meet the government's green requirements, uh, which I'm going to talk about on the next slide. So I'm not too worried about Section 21. We're involved in a lot of detailed discussions with the Ministry and, and, and the Judiciary around the replacement of this. Um, and if you get five minutes or you need some bedtime reading, uh, have a look at the document on our website that articulates all of the replacement grounds with timeframes that we would like to see. Um, as I say, I'm not one for weighing in the wind on this. Uh, we're setting out clear and comprehensive uh, uh, framework. That guy was uh, whipping a bunch of landlords into a, a frenzy. God, I feel sick. Vulnerable landlords, who would have known? Um, and tenants more likely to be problematic than landlords. I'm sat outside getting some air and some quiet before um, heading back in for more um, fascinating talks. Landlords obviously are the real victims um, of COVID. Uh, there's now going to be a talk about how easy it is to invest in Thailand and how you'll get guaranteed returns. Hello everybody, thank you for coming to my seminar. Before we start, uh, I'd like to ask you all a simple question. How many of you are fully satisfied with your real estate investment in the UK? Yes, it is possible to find a great deal in the, in the city centre or the developing residential areas and it's true during these two days, I've seen a lot of interesting real estate opportunities. But what are we really looking for? Deep inside, we're all investors. And what really matters to us is a secure return on our investment without the headaches. Am I correct? We all know the monthly rental fee is high here in the UK and we can generate a high monthly income. But if we deduct the maintenance, the repairs, the fixing fees, the taxes, the commission to the agent, the property management, at the end of the day, what is really going into our pocket? You can maybe receive two, three or four, maybe 5% if you're lucky of the invested amount. And the worst scenario, what happens if the tenant doesn't pay? What are we gonna get at all? And honestly, do you have enough time to deal with these headaches? Buying properties and paying taxes gives us a feeling of happiness and pride, maybe not paying the taxes. What really matters at the end of the day is how much money we can put in our pocket from our investment, am I right? And when that investment is lower than what we expected on our return, we're disappointed. I have another question for you. Would you find it interesting to have a property that could generate high annual incomes, capital gains, fully managed with no maintenance fee and no headaches and a low amount of investment to start? Raise your hand if this is the ideal property investment for you. And if you found something today with those features, would you be ready to move forward? Well, this is the reason that we're here today. And I am so excited to share with you that after lengthy research worldwide, our team has found a property in the market that we believe to be the best partnership. We've obtained a partnership with a top developer in Southeast Asia, Utopia Corporation, an award-winning company. Located in the most beautiful place in the world, Phuket Utopia is famous for their high standards and always delivering their projects ahead of time. Who here has been to Phuket? Who came home and immediately wanted to share the beauty and enchantment of the place with their friends and family and tell them about the kindness of Thai people, the food, the charm, the temples? For those who have already been to Phuket and for those who have not been there, 
we have prepared Utopia Team a short video presentation to give you a feeling of this tropical paradise. Let's watch it together. People lounging by the pool, cocktails, food, utopia for every age. Phuket is waiting for us. So Phuket is an island connected by a bridge to the mainland. It's not big and it's not small and you can drive from top to bottom in one hour. Beautiful nature surrounded by amazing white sand beaches, no pollution at all hot weather all year round. You can literally live wearing a shorts and flip-flops every day of the year. Low crime rates and super friendly locals. It's not nicknamed the land of smiles for nothing. God bless And on the top locals. of this, Phuket offers high quality standards of living. World-class facilities such as two airports, one domestic and one international, connected to all major cities around the world. International hospitals with higher standards than Europe, no queuing waiting for the doctor, and they can speak fluent English. International schools like British International School, perhaps it's not needed now, but if one day you fall in love with Phuket, you know that your children will have a top education. Plus, you can find huge shopping malls, Louis Vuitton, Versace, top golf clubs, spas, sports facilities, and unique nightlife in Phuket, with clubs ranked at top position around the world. What else is there to say about investing in Phuket? Many people say that Phuket is following the direction of Hong Kong and Singapore of the wealthiest islands in the world. Many new buildings and infrastructure being constructed. This won't happen in Phuket. Let me explain why. 70% of the land in Phuket must remain green. This means there's only 30% permitted construction on the island. There are restrictions on height of buildings, so no skyscrapers. The incline degree must stay within a certain degree on hillsides. Just imagine the price of your property when no new construction is allowed and with continual high demand, you will be the owner of a property with world-class status, surrounded by green environment with huge capital gains. It's a very strong exit strategy for our investors. Many of you could be, could have heard myths that you can't buy property in Thailand, that you can't own it. This is not true. You as a foreigner can own freehold property in Thailand. You could also have heard something like the army is going to run a road through your house or your project. This is also not true. Thai law is very, very clear and it protects the title holder. Now the project I would like to introduce to you with exclusive show-only deals, Utopia Central. The project is now fully complete and ready for transfer. The project consists of two buildings, building A and building B, with a total of eight floors. A total of 405 units, plus two swimming pools, free shuttle bus, Hong Kong restaurant and the, and, and the rest. 24-hour security and gyms. So what's the reason for so many units at this project? Because of the location. Utopia Central project is located in the centre of the island. Its two main attractions, Patong Beach and Phuket, just 20 minutes each way. Next door to this project 
literally next door to this project is the Prince of Songkhla University, the biggest university in southern Thailand. Within walking distance to the largest shopping mall of Ireland's Central Fe Festival and Floresta and close to international facilities such as golf clubs, the best spas, Muay Thai camps, international schools and hospitals. There's also plenty of restaurants representing a wide range of worldwide cuisine. So then, the real reason why we're here, let's talk. Freehold starting price is 2.99 million bar, around 65,000 pounds. What can you buy in the UK and Europe with this amount of money right now? Maybe a garage, maybe a one bedroom studio if you're lucky. The project is fully managed by Utopia Hospitality team with an amazing 8% annual return guarantee on the purchase price for the first three years. Afterwards, the rental pool program gives 70-30% split in favor of the owner. No maintenance, no fees, no headaches and at any time you are free to cancel the contract sell the property or manage it on your own you can even name a successor at purchase and will it doesn't it sound amazing we're not finished yet the first rental will be paid after one month of settling the property purchase price in full you will receive straight into your bank account by the 15th of november 2022 your first 5600 pounds there's more we're still not finished yet. So on top of the generous returns at your investment, you will receive a Club Utopia membership offering a wide range of benefits and free holidays at any Utopia project on the island. 10 nights free stay. You will not be restricted to staying in your unit and you can choose to stay in any project. Maybe you want to stay near the ocean. Maybe you want to give it to family or friends. You can do that. Does it sound good enough yet? Because the best part is still to come. Reserve a property today and you will get a free holiday at Utopia Loft. Two nights plus free flight. Yes, free flight. If you want more nights at Utopia, we'll give you 50% off your stay. This is to complete your documents and receive your freehold title deed as a foreigner. If what you see here today seems too good to be true, then you definitely need to come and find us at Stand 438 before we change our minds. To reserve your unit, it's very simple. We just need a copy of your ID or passport, some basic details and a small deposit. Who wouldn't want free holidays at an amazing property in a stunning tropical paradise with guaranteed lucrative returns and an easy exit strategy? Okay, short and sweet. The calming sound of ocean waves. Oh, Cyprus. A very good presentation. Anyway, you guys, uh, you should know that we're here. We've got a booth here in Dresden. We are law from central London. We do all sorts of uh, instructions, property, litigation. So if you require any help, feel free to give us a ring. Brilliant. Thank you. The problem right now is that there are more commercial buildings vacant than ever before. Uh, that it was already going in that direction pre-COVID. But COVID has just exasperated the whole thing. There are more offices than we require. There are more retail units than we require. And that situation has just accelerated as we've come out of uh, a COVID crisis. We also have a situation where there's a massive shortage of residential property. 
We need 300,000 homes. We're not even building 100,000 of them. Um, there's a shortfall. People need places to live. The planning system is a pain in the backside. I'm sorry for any planners out there, but it's unfit for purpose. It's completely uncertain. You put in a planning application, you've got no idea whether you're going to get planning permission in two months, two years, or at all. You have situations where you put in identical planning applications in one uh, local authority to another, and they have different policies. Oh, life is tough for the investor and the landlord. exactly what these MA and Class G rights allow you to do and I'll share with you a lot more examples of what, what we're actually doing with these rights um, currently right now. So these are the types of buildings that you can convert to residential. Um, retail shops, banks, travel agents, estate agents, restaurants, offices, uh, GP clinics, gyms. There's a huge range of property types you can convert partially or fully to residential without having to go through convoluted planning permission. Now people ask me, well I found this pub and I say, well that's very good, let's go and have a drink. Don't buy it and convert it. There is no permitted development on pubs. It will take you two, three years to get anything done with the pub. It's not worth it. There are plenty of, there are so many buildings that you are under this light touch regime. Stick with the building types on this page. People ask me about churches. What can you do with a church? God knows. It's full planning application. It will take you years. You know, stick with the building types on this page. If you know what you're doing, if you understand the PD rules, you can get your permission in 56 days and get those deals done. Now, the thing right now is 
that the market does not understand what to do with these PD rights. And there is always first, first mover advantage. When the last lot of PD came in in 2013, I had great fun between 2013 and 2015 because the vendors, the auctioneers, the agents didn't really fully understand the PD rights. After about 2015-2016, what happened was even sellers got to know what you can do with permitted development. And they, what they did is they baked into their asking price the potential of conversion. Now you, that hasn't happened yet. And that won't happen for at least a couple of years. So there's always first mover advantage by getting inside these rooms, learning what you can do, go shopping specifically for those deals, turning them around in quick time and doing as many of those as possible in the shortest possible time. And here's the other thing that happens with PD. These guys in Whitehall come up with these rules. And, you know, they come up with a few pages of waffle and gobbledygook, quite frankly. And they're always full of anomalies and loopholes. Now, four anomalies on, and loopholes translate that to mean entrepreneurial opportunity. Now, what they've written is a few pages of permitted development legislation, which applies equally to a bank building, a restaurant building, a restaurant building, or a gym, or an office. Now, how can it be that one wording applies equally to all those building types without creating a mountain of opportunities, anomalies, and loopholes? What you've got to do is get inside of those loopholes, learn those inside out, what you can and can't do, and go to the market with a shopping list to look specifically for these opportunities, because they will get plugged. Um, if you have been in the permitted development game for some time, you'll know that 2013 we had the first round and by 2015, 2016, they introduced revisions which clipped the wings of the power of these permitted development rights. At the moment, all the rights introduced on the 1st of August are unleashed, so you're good to go on the whole lot. The councils, those nasty guys in the local authorities, hate what we're doing. They hate what I'm doing. Um, and they fight back, and they will fight back. The mechanism they use to fight back is Article 4. Article 4 is a mechanism where local authorities can apply to central government to be exempted from some of these permitted development rights. Here's the thing. They have to apply to the Secretary of State. Then Michael Gove will have to stop his disco dancing in nightclubs and look through the application and consider the case. Then if he finds in the council's favour he may grant the, the Article 4, but they're going to be a lot tougher to, um, um, for them to get this time round. And if the council gets them, then they have to put the public on one year's notice before that permitted development comes into effect. So a lot of councils are going around doing some propaganda, particularly the London ones. They're saying, we're getting Article 4, we're going to stop this. What they mean is, they're going to apply to the Secretary of State, that's going to take six months. They're going to consider it. And then even if they get it, they've got to put everyone on one year's notice. So you've got two to three years to have some fun. And if you don't act now, then, well, it's going to be tough, really, because these, these wings will be clipped on what you can and can't do. Uh, okay, I, um, 
getting out of there. I feel a little bit knackered after that. Yeah, I'm not sure what else, but that was thoroughly depressing and I think I need to just try and relax. Uh, but thank you for listening to the final Freeze Week special where I'm thinking about the links between art and real estate and the the similarities or differences uh, between investing in property and investing in art. So yeah, I'll be back soon enough with another viewing of London City Island, which I've already done. So see you later. Don't invest in property. Don't become a landlord. Bye.